Prompt Podcast. I'm Matthias. And I'm Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis and I are a pair of depressos, which means that we want to write, but we lack the motivation to pick up that pencil. Mm-hmm. So we decided to do a challenge to kind of get us out of that funk. Each week, we sit down. Our goal is to write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, and if we read a story, we read it, we talk about it, we talk about what we learned in writing it, and then we talk about stories sent to anybody you listeners. Mm-hmm. We're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof, doof media, media production. production. I think the new focus of this podcast is a, is a community center, and uh, just to talk about all the wonderful stories y'all are writing, because I really want to encourage that, and I'm always delighted to read them, and to see people improve, and... That is the most satisfying part of this, and that's the part I want to keep alive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that is that is the drawing force of the show, is really fostering this mm-hmm. uh, community that we built. Um, also, along with, with us as hosts trying to uh, better our own writing, um, but of course, that kind of betterment doesn't always happen on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's one way to phrase it. Uh, no, so no, we didn't write a story this week, but that's okay. Uh, because we are trucking along, mm-hmm. we're very tired, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's going. <laughs> um, it's going. So, it is happening. <laughs> uh, so, so what we have planned for today is, uh, we're going to be talking about tension and actually what we'll end up doing is, uh, we're setting this for the challenge, uh, for next week. We're going to talk about tension and, and some ways to explore it, uh, some ways that you can challenge yourself to explore it and with the idea of next week you guys uh write a story that plays with, te- with tension mm-hmm. exactly exactly so uh we're gonna try and definitely do this more often basically uh on the previous week that a certain topic will be the main focus of that next week um we're just gonna talk about it uh give our two cents on the idea and just any sort of ad- advice we really uh found or came up with in our own personal writing um, and we kind of think that mm-hmm. this works a lot better than talking about the certain topic on the same week that stories on that topic are being submitted because then we're just kind of asking you to kind of drive blind into it and, and basically mm-hmm. let us uh, critique you on something that we haven't personally talked about um or yeah kind of foster yeah so. that seemed unfair in retrospect exactly yeah so this seems like a, a much better way to to do it uh and i don't know it'll give us a nice opportunity to not only talk about ourselves but also uh the things that matter most which is writing and writing critiques so the words this week are magnetic captain reactor and van you know what I just considered, Jarvis? What? This this just occurred to me, and and I don't you you may as well keep this on the podcast. Why not? Uh, so there's plenty of short stories that are actually in the public domain at this mm-hmm. point, and that anyone can produce in any con like you could you could publish them legally and sell it, um, just because it's it's so old. Yeah. Uh, so we could actually read those on the podcast like it would be very specifically like old old stories right it wouldn't be like modern with with modern prose and yeah. such but we could write old stories and use them it, we, we could read out old short stories and and talk about some lessons in them mm. that said they're probably all a lot longer than 15 minutes so like like yeah <laughs> people back then didn't really write 1000 word stories oh, no not at all very very <laughs> much so 
Uh, I mean, yeah, just normal short story yeah. length, so like five thousand words or but something I mean, like no, that. No, that's but... a really good idea, and I mean, there are so many older stories that I- that are in public uh, domain, and the uh, pretentious purist side of of me does believe that a lot of the older stories. Um, are a lot clearer in the crafts that they are using uh, within those those stories, um, or at the very least, they they kind of leave it to where there is a large opportunity to dissect it. Yeah, finally uh, a reason to <laughs> read things again, um, and also side benefit we get to say fun names like Lefanu mm. um, or uh, other author uh, uh, fun author names like uh, Horace Walpole, mm. which is just. <laughs> just fun to me mm-hmm. author of the castle von tronto that's not a short story but just old names anyway uh yeah i think that might be yeah. fun and then hey maybe we will have like four different uh apps where we are just reading through prints and then uh we can talk about all of these uh machiavellian ideas wait wait what do you wait wait, wait prince what do you mean the uh Who's... the book prince by uh Machiavelli. Oh, oh, the, oh, the, the, yeah, yeah the, the prince, the prince, yeah. not uh, the artist. Uh, sorry, I, 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 was hearing print as in like book, oh. <laughs> like a printed yeah, book. No, 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 no. So I was like, uh, yeah, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, is that a short story? No, it's a novel. I guess it is like a thin, yeah, thin I, book. I mean, I think it's more of a novella, but I do think that like larger things like that, if we do ever want to tackle like an actual novel. Or um, something, which I'll be super down with. Uh, I would, I would really love that. Well, yeah, we could grab uh, excerpts. Yeah, and for either sure. that, or we can just split up into multiple episodes. Cause, fuck, we have so much time to to kill. Do you think anyone's written fan fiction about oh, the prince? Definitely. Like, like, as in, like, taking just, just, just putting a new character in there. Do you think anyone's ever written a self insert of the prince? Like, I, I think definitely there's probably like an 18th century self insert. Yeah. Hmm. of the prince where they're like oh but if i was I there would do this. i would be way better <laughs> than the prince that's just like every fan watching any superhero movie um but you know let's just skip all that and get down to business which would be this week's words oh. the huns what what what'd you say huh huh i said i i said the uh, as in like defeating defeating the, the huns uh. is when we <laughs> get down to to defeat. Do they, was the new Mulan music no, uh, mo- movie no, a musical it too? It was not a musical oh, and it point? wasn't good either. Yeah, oh, which is tragic. really tragic. I mean, granted, the 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 number one reason why people watch the old Mulan is because a lot of the songs were so catchy, and it was telling a compelling story for Disney at the time. Actually, I keep. I can't remember any other of the songs except for the Let's Get Down um, to Business song. There's the one that she sang when she decided to like go off to war instead of her father. I I remember that being pretty emotional. Um, I don't know if there were any songs after like We'll, we'll Make a Man Out of You. I think after that it was just solely movie. I uh, might have to go back and uh, re-watch it. Especially now, after watching, like, one of the biggest flops that Disney has ever created. Well, I mean, okay, to be fair, there's a play going on. So, the metrics for what's a flop is a, it's a little Yeah, little but skewed. you see, they only released so. it on Disney+. Plus. Well, yeah, because there's, there's a plague. Hmm. I guess so. And I do guess that their numbers 
probably would be nowhere near what they were projecting because of the plague and be and because Disney Plus is definitely one of the worst streaming services out right now because they have well, they is it don't really? have a good catalog. Nothing loads, and I mean, granted, I I have bad Wi-Fi. I find it incredible that you would say they don't have a good catalog when they have all no, of Disney. But see, they don't have Corey in the house, all right, and they don't have a slew mm. of exactly. So what's, what's the, the point? point? And they don't have a slew of like other shows. And I mean, going back, they do have Marvel movies, but they don't have any Spider-Man movies. And I've already seen every Marvel movie that's come out. And I'm almost like sick and tired of them because they're all the exact same thing. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. There's just Mm -hmm. nothing on Disney Plus that's drawing besides like Mandalorian season two. And even still, that's not going to save Disney Plus. Wow. That that Mickey Mouse must be very upset. The the jar that Walt Disney is in is mm-hmm. must be screaming. I mean, right granted, now. they are the most powerful company on planet Earth. Do you think we should we should investigate about that. just how powerful Disney the, is? The, no, no, no. The Walt Disney head. Oh, the Walt Disney head. I mean, there are a lot of conspiracies out there, but I have never seen any concrete proof. None. Right. We could be the ones. We should undertake a quest, sneak into the bowels under Disney World, because where of else course, would he yeah. be? I mean, that was his favorite place. Right? the most magical place on Earth. We have to infiltrate. We'll have to pretend to be cast mm-hmm. members. You uh, right? You can dress as Goofy. I'll, I'll dress as Pete. Um, I'm, I'm very what? offended. I'll be Peter <sighs> Pan. But that, but that's not a costume. Like they, they will. But yeah, it is the. But I could, I could pull it off exactly. I have, I have boyish. You do good looks. You, you have very great boyish good, good looks. But the issue here <laughs> is that we are going undercover, which means they can't see our face. Because do you know? I'm pretty sure the fucking mouse owns half of every police department. We, we would get caught in an instant. Yeah, that's if true. If they saw our, our face. So all I'm saying is that Goofy. Uh, is a great costume, and everyone trusts Goofy. And I feel that you know That's you can true. you can do the voice right. You can well, you just say Gorsh or something like. That. I'm not. I'm not gonna. No, don't don't even try to get me to do that right now. No, <laughs> I, I got you. Uh, <laughs> uh, let us know if you if you like this nonsense. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll keep it up. Um, it, yeah, the best way to to do that is to comment on the non-existent post because I I can't. To schedule things. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool, y'all. Uh, I'm I'm a high functioning, uh, <laughs> a high functioning depressant. Yeah, yeah. I'm switching. Um, I'm switching into depressants this week. So oh, nice. Was that like? We'll see how that entail. goes. So like, higher doses, lower doses, different so, kinds. No, no, no. I'm I'm switching from uh, Wellbutrin to mm. Lexapro. Oh, I've seen um, a uh, commercial which, about uh, Lexapro. It's in that long list of uh, side effects and stuff. I'm hoping it gets me fatter. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's because I've heard that's that's a side effect sometimes for Lexapro. What? I don't know why, uh, but Wellbutrin definitely like I, like it increases your appetite okay. or something. Uh, but Wellbutrin definitely suppressed it. And my appetite's never been really great before. Like I was at, at a at a, a public area thing earlier today, and um, so there was a really good smell of yeah. food, right? And it smelled delicious, right? But all I wanted to do was smell it. I didn't want to eat anything, even though I hadn't even eaten yet. Wow. So okay, yeah, it would like like if you smell like a delicious like I don't know roast, what's what's a delicious? I can't even roast imagine pork, it right now. That that part of my beef. brain is just roast pork roast yeah roasted pig 
and it caramelized onions. I've, that's a good smell too. Anyway, you smell that and you're like, mm, mouthwatering. I need that in my mouth right now. Uh, I did. I don't have that part right huh, now. So. Okay. And like, have you noticed that like versus when you weren't on these uh, anti-depressants, would you have like a higher level of appetite, or oh, did you just not really eat it, that much? It was we, barely okay. higher. It was barely higher. Like like uh, during the beginning of the of uh, our Blake <laughs> year. I that's a that's a podcast by the way talking year, about it. Our plague year. I I think I lost like ten pounds and not in a good way. Like like I'm very close to the to the edge of healthiness. So that, like that brought me like standing on oh, the edge, wow. c- cutting my feet on a very thin edge, uh because I just like couldn't. I just didn't care enough to eat mm-hmm. consistently. I was living in my apartment alone. So oh okay. Uh yeah. And now I gained most of it back, and then I lost some of it again. So well, yeah, I, yeah. I guess it hopefully with this new uh, meds change, maybe you'll just start gaining poundage, like a pound a fucking day. That'd be great. <laughs> maybe I'll get pounded, Jarvis, <laughs> with any yeah. luck. I mean, do you just want some of my fat? I mean, I have plenty. We can just like graph, graph some on. See, you. like, like. I've had that conversation so many times with my mom. Like she says it constantly. And I'm like, yes. Like I okay. The answer is yes, but we can't do that. So can we stop making the <laughs> joke? But uh, that's that's with mm, my mom. So, uh, but that you. So this is your one. Um, and the answer is yes. I I would do that. I would take the mm. transfer. Well, like, is that possible through science? Because they're just fat cells. Through so science. they would. So these cells would have to be. Do we have the technology? What? Hey, hey! A technology scientist is listening to us right now. A science person, yeah. science co- construct. Can you please tell us if they, if Jarvis and I can exchange our exchange fat from one receptacle yeah, to yeah. another? Now, now, granted, if we do switch fat, you might get a little bit more melanin. All right, so you have to be prepared for that. I mean, that's like I I feel like I haven't earned that. You yeah, know, probably but... not. But I'm 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 just gonna give it to you. Oh, I, I appreciate think that. It is a experience that you need. I think is a experience you that, know that, that everyone needs for just for just a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, uh, yeah, that's yeah. I'll, it's I'll like back uh, to that. F- it's like Freaky Friday, but with race. I, that has that has done been done yes. many times. <laughs> what what's the name? To varying of, degrees of, of awfulness. Uh, it was Eddie Murphy switched bodies with yeah. um Willy Wonka. <laughs> Wait, yeah, what? It, it, I think it was the character who played Willy Wonka, uh, Henry Wilde, the, the, yeah, the, the actor? actor, something wild. And I think he he switched. Oh, Oscar, Oscar Wilde. Wilde. Yeah, Wait, yeah, no, no, no. yeah. It is uh, Oscar okay. Wilde, and he switched bodies with Eddie Murphy. Wilde's character was rich. Eddie Murphy's character was poor, and then they switched bodies because I think Eddie Murphy's character went out for a job. But he didn't get the job because of race, I think. I don't know. I don't know. But it was like an 80s movie that my mom loved. It's called Trading Places. Uh, it's definitely not Oscar Wilde. I don't know where the hell you got that oh, from. is it not? Who is it? It's uh, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd, okay. Not at all Willy Wonka. Wait, wait. But it, <laughs> also, but Oscar it... Wilde didn't... Oscar Wilde is, is, a, is a poet. 
Yeah. So well, okay. So that's not the name so of. So there's that wild, but then there's another wild that sounds like Oscar Wilde. Uh, so from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, that was not Johnny Depp. Uh, no, yeah, not the Johnny Depp one. Which okay, people shit on that one. I I actually liked it a I th- lot. So. I thought it was a great ride. I Gene, think it was Gene, Wilder, Gene Wilder, not Oscar. Okay, okay so you okay, you were half right. Okay, yeah, was... I'll, I'll I'll give you a pass. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, there's been a slew of uh, movies done like that, and I think it is time in 2020 for another racially insensitive in Trading Places movie be- between two podcasters. Okay, <laughs> where you can't even see. Uh, you know what? No, yeah, let's let's adapt it to a new medium. Well, um, do you know that that movie where it's about? Uh, uh, black people are slave owners and white people are are slaves. It's not I mean, in history. That, Have you seen that? I mean, that that, that sounds trailer? like something I came up with in like middle school in French class. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, you know, I you know, I haven't seen it. Wait, is I don't it, know how is it's it executed. I just like it might. Is it? I don't know. Is it newer? Uh, let's, like, let's, like, let's do a Google. Is it like a movie where trailers are coming? Out? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's I very think recent. it is called. Yeah, I think it might uh, yeah, be called I think Antebellum. it is called uh, Antebellum. And it's weird because... Okay, it's not? Uh, no, uh, it's actually a new series, and it's called Cracka. Cracka? Yeah. As in, I, I, I think it's uh, like a, like it's like take, making Cracker, but like it's like the N-word yeah, version, yeah. I think. Um, okay, I mean, I, just, <laughs> I am not going to judge it off of name and trailer alone. No, but, yeah, I haven't seen it. I don't know what it I is. But I do wonder uh, if we need that right now. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone asked for it. Because, I mean, that just sounds like a weird power fantasy. Sure. Which, I mean, for, like, some people, that that might uh, tickle their, their fucking teddy. I mean, I, like, know that. I mean, uh, if it, if it, if it turns out good and actually has, like, a positive effect on people who go see it, like, I'm, like great. Like, I just, uh, this is an interesting choice, very, and uh, yeah. I hope it's handled well. Mm-hmm. I, I do hope it is handled well, too. Uh, and, hey, if, like, that works out well, then 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 that just opens up the uh, door for our uh, podcast. To finally solve racism, yeah. and we're done. Well, well I mean, I, I, per- personally, bish, bish, bosh. me being a proud uh, Southern youth, I thought uh, racism ended when um, the slaves were free. Yeah, the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah, yeah. Um, 40 acres and the mule, yeah, right? and you know, they were... And then and, to fix and it. I mean, honestly, I think it was just too much for, like, them to ask, like, oh count us as one whole person in a vote it's like no no we mm-hmm. really really shouldn't i mean come on look at you hey uh i have a, a question for constitutional scholars so you know how like slavery is still legal in prisons yes, very right? legal. so the three-fifths compromise i'm pretty sure like counted was about also the word compromise being in there it's just like it's, it's, so it's not a compromise. it's still in there by the way <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a compromise between like two between two different groups of power small states and big states like that's literally the difference mm-hmm. anyway do do people who are like you know doing slave labor in in prisons do they count as the three-fifths or like, are they still counted as a whole person in the population? Mm. I think they probably are. Well, but... I think they're not counted at all in a lot of studies. Sadly, uh... <laughs> wait, 
Like, I'm sure they're counted in the census. Recently, they are. I distinctly remember uh, there was a time when they weren't counted within the census. Really? Because they were, te- they were technically not a part of community, um, which is a horrible hmm. thing to really do for someone, um, especially since a lot of people that were put away weren't on fully um, reasonable charges. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean... I hope they're counted as a as a full person, and I mean, no one's really talking about prison. Uh, no one's talking about prisoner rights right now, probably because we have a lot of other issues. Well, to really get. I see it a little bit, but but yeah, I mean, you follow enough leftists on Twitter, everything gets talked about. Yeah, but. exactly. Um. <laughs> I forget a lot of times that the rest of society isn't moral and doesn't think about problems very much sometimes. Yeah. So it's yeah. weird. I mean, the strange truth is that most most people kind of operate kind of how my mom does. You know, you like wake up, you uh, pray to whatever deity you do believe in, and then you go to work, and then you work, and then you come home. And then once you come home, you might cook and watch TV, and then you do that for the rest of your life. Yeah. I can somewhat yeah. understand how a good portion of people might not have the mental space to ponder a lot of these things. Um, but y'all, y'all listening. Mm-hmm. You have all the time. Y'all listening to do the right thing. Y'all, a lot of y'all have, have done the challenge, right? And that makes you completely different. You are doing making something new every time you do that. And I think that's very impressive. Mm-hmm. And I think you should all be very proud yeah. of yourselves. And I know uh, there's a lot of y'all who don't, um, who haven't written stories yet. And I would invite y'all to, to join us. Like, like, seriously, consider yeah. it. You know, sit down for just 30 minutes, uh, write some garbage, and, and show us, because we would love to yeah. see it. When I say write some garbage, I, I only mean... I think what you will write is actually going to be surprisingly good, but just because uh, a lot of people doubt themselves, I often say, write your garbage, because, like, that... For me, that's that's freeing as a... The expectation of having to write something good gets released a little bit of just, like, okay, I'm just going to write some fun garbage instead. Yeah. Uh, and really um, on that pressure. same token, um, I know one huge thing that, that holds me back when it either comes to, uh, submitting something for, uh, do the right thing on a week that we're not talking about my story or just when it comes to, uh, submitting stuff to, to classes. Um, it is the typical writer's vice of not thinking that your work will ever be good enough and not wanting to show it to someone without it being perfect. Well, I will suggest to you that are really listening that nothing can really be perfect, especially when it comes to your writing, if you don't get eyes and ears from someone who is not in your head, someone who wasn't a part of that process, to really see if they get where you are coming from and get where you are going. One of the whole points of us wanting to write is to show it to someone else to write something to where someone else can read it and basically in, enjoy it as much as we did when we did write it. And you can't really do that if you have a whole bunch of short stories but haven't shown a single person. So I think mm. writing to do the right thing is the, is the perfect place for that because there is no stress whatsoever. I mean, we will definitely we will compliment you on what you did right and then also give you any sort of suggestions that we do have on what on what you can do better. 
If you if you want us to not be at all negative, you could just at the top you could say something like, "Please be nice," or so. You yeah. know, no negative stuff, please. And of course, we won't. So on the same coin, I do personally believe that hard critique is also a good way on how to get better. And uh, here on do the right thing, if if that is what you are looking for, you can always just just tell us that. Uh, and we will give you uh, real critiques that can help you when it comes to going for that second draft and that a uh, third draft. But that isn't a requirement when it comes to submitting to do the right thing. This is a place where there is really no pressure. Uh, and the whole point of it is just to get you to write because we do know how hard it is, whether you are within school, whether you're in quarantine, it is really hard to, to sit down and to just start writing. So really, this is a uh, this is this is a free place where you can just submit anything, no pressure without any sort of expectations. Uh, we will try our best to give you the the feedback that you're really looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, let's let's real quick talk about tension, yeah, sure. and then let's talk about listener submitted stories. All right, so tension. That's the challenge for next week. Uh, so what we would like y'all to explore is um, I'm trying to identify what exactly like what what part of of writing would you call that? I guess that's sort of a tone, right? Yeah, I mean, what I've noticed is that tension is built half through the tone that you are building and the details that you are adding. So like, uh, for instance, in a given scene, tension can uh, come from a sort of dire tone that you're using to describe another person. But it can also come from a possible detail of them maybe having a gun or having a very violent and volatile past. Basically telling us things that aren't really being shown so that our mind can dwell there while what is happening on the page is happening. Yeah, I, I think the primary uh, vector for attention is basically like the uncertainty of, of something, knowing that something is going to mm-hmm. happen, uh, but not knowing when or how bad it will be. Uh, it, I, I also I think it's it's interesting to explore that there's multiple kinds of tension. There's emotional tension. You know, if, if people are having an argument, right? And they both are like not saying a bunch of things that the other person doesn't want to hear, right? Yeah. But like they like they they could say those at any moment. Yeah, like silences are where tension builds, right? Mm-hmm. And the same thing with the dangerous moments. It's not like during a fight that there's tension. Well, I mean, I guess a little bit, just some dramatic tension of like you don't want your character to die. But, but... it is what is leading up to that fight. It is uh, the readers anticipation that there will be a fight and it is all of the little details and bits leading up to that that is the tension you know because pretty much when it comes to writing a a story it is a a fine line between tension and release you are building tension right then you are also uh, focusing on certain moments that could be levity. Yeah, the certainty of like the the negativity, I think, is also like the 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 knowledge that it's it's coming, mm-hmm. um, is a is another thing I think too. Also, one one thing is that there's multiple ways to release tension, and you can also choose not to release the tension. Yeah, uh, especially in a short story. Uh, I mean, you know, eventually the tension will be relieved one way or another, just because when you stop talking about the tension it it's gone yeah. right 
Um, or it does, it's not gone, but it, it leaves not a, a single moment. It, it takes time. But you can release tension in a, a single moment wherein, like, the thing that the characters were, were worrying about and that, that they were tense over uh, delivers. Um, there is that violent outburst, that angry outburst, or um, so, someone gives in one way or another. Uh, but there's also, there can be sort of a relief when, like, if people back down, a de-escalation, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a, a different direction for that. Um, and, and you can maybe, like, subvert things when you're expecting one going the other direction. Um, and then, there's, of course, yeah, you can just leave the tension just just going and uh, end the scene on the tension and leave the question of what happens unanswered. And I think that's an interesting way to do that. I, I, I think overall... Uh, tension makes people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and you know inflicting emotions on readers is always a high goal for brandy writer and then also it shows that you are writing effectively i mean tension as a concept as a tool is is there to maintain the reader's attention throughout what throughout what story you are really telling um, and really, any story does does have tension because if there is conflict, there is tension. Uh, it is the job of a writer of putting enough details, giving enough context to where when the conflict does arise, the reader was brought there through that tension that you did set up. Yeah, uh, that you have enough knowledge of what what could happen, um, or even actually, I, I think a lot of it's also just unanswered questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if there's a two people, right? You have like the dueling samurai, right? Where they like stand in front of each other and they're about to swing their sword or whatever. Yeah. Or um, you have some some person come into a place and they are very like vague, but you know that they have like a weapon and they're standing in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, even though you don't know much about them, the like the question of not knowing things about them increases the tension. The fact that you can't trust them to to back down, you don't know whether they're going to lash out or not. I think that's a big factor as well. Um, okay, uh, so when you guys do the uh, challenge next week, and I absolutely invite everyone to do so, consider using tension, consider playing around with it, consider um, trying to make the audience uncomfortable, and then decide what to do with that uncomfortability. Yeah. Maybe leave a question unanswered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the best way to build it. Well, all right, we should go ahead and move on to our listener submitted story sections. But first, of course, as you know, we're going to talk about these these stories in depth. We are going to summarize and spoil them. So if you have not had a chance to read these stories, I would suggest to you to pause after we announce them, go read them, and then and then come on back. So as, as we are talking about it, you will know what we are talking about. This week's stories are by Paradox, Sarah Penguin, Ace of Sword, Flower Priest, and No Goodbye. And we are going to be starting with Paradox, with Existence. Um, the, so the story starts off uh, in a really interesting way, it, <laughs> with uh, My Existence is an Error, um, it, with telling us how our, our viewpoint character, our, our narrator, is actually basically an accidental AI, a some, some part of a larger system that eventually grew and uh, became more and more complex until it became an entire intelligence. And um, it's narrating this as it observes sorts of its 
surroundings. Uh, this is uh, the series in which uh, all of our cyberpunk uh, characters have been named after birds and, and, and done so thematically, if you all remember that one. So uh, this is, I think, a, a different group that this um, this AI is sort of like embedded within. It's, it's, it's running on a server controlled by uh, this gang called the Admins. The, the rest of the story is mostly uh, world building and exposition on uh, the both the admins and the the general world and a bunch of other things in the area about how uh, there's uh, the butchers which are a violent element in in the city that are allowed to run by the the authorities um, the flock which are uh, assassins which are you know the ones that we've been talking about before um, and how each one is, is marked as a target by these admins um, eventually the the overseer which is one of the leaders, Shows up. He has uh, each of his fingers split into three, which is always interesting. <laughs> um, and uh, discovers the AI, and uh, they have sort of like a a very a short conversation, exchanging sort of ideas very quickly. Where the overseers basically implies that uh, they can have a mutually beneficial relationship, where the AI can do stuff for them in exchange for a physical body to affect the world in. And uh, the AI decides that this is a worthy plan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I think the story is a fantastic extension on a lot of the world building that was set up in the uh, Flox cyberpunk stories. Um, and I really do like the point of view chosen here, right? Because since it is from this sort of alien point of view, this uh, this like AI point of view, we do go in go in depth into its creation. How is this mishap that turned out to be very good for this AI? Now he's sentient, and now there is a way for it to grow even further. Um, and yeah, I uh, do like a, a lot of the characters that are uh, being shown up here. I I do f- feel that they kind of fail in uh, comparison to the to the AI, which is which of course is the main point of view character. So they are the more the most fleshed out when it comes to intention. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think this is a really great addition to a lot of the world building that is being set up and i think it could uh serve need a sequel i think a a sequel to this would be really nice or at least follow along this same journey of this of this ai because i feel that there can be a good amount of uh complexity to this uh ai's existence so yeah really great job yeah uh if i'm gonna do any critique is that um, the the first uh, sort of paragraphs really set up the AI as um, like the, the the main conflict being sort of how it's going to be interacting with the the group. But then for most of the story, we we mostly um, uh, exposit the, the the situation that these groups are in. And I wanted to learn more about the AI because that was uh, our, our our main character, and I wanted to hear about their conflicts and and such. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really glad at the end when we we brought back to uh, the AI, and I was yeah, I would like for for something like this, focus on the on on the character that is being explored there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But thank you very much, Paradox. And up next is Sarah Penguin with The Spymaster and The Princess Part 18, The Princess Savior. Uh, 
Yeah, so this is another entry in uh, the series where uh, the princess and the spymaster are in love. Uh, but this is this is taking a turn. The princess has uh, been been captured on the battlefield, um, and Faye, our, our spymaster, is going to speak to um, Duke Vargulf, who was the leader in that battle, to find out where she is, and. Uh, they they start having a conversation there. Uh, Faye sorts of uh, questions Vargolf a little bit too much, and uh, Vargolf decides that this is this is where he has to uh, take action, and he uh, snaps his fingers, to, and so when um, knocks Faye senseless, they they take her down to the dungeons essentially, where Vargolf uh, basically reveals that uh, he's the one that that captured the princess uh, because he wants a um, he wants to eventually marry her so that she can, or he can rule in her name, basically, uh, and she can sort of be the puppet queen because she's still the rightful heir, which is which is pretty dark. But also, you know, at the same time, we do think that maybe he has somewhat some points of uh, she 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 has been locked in the dungeon for most of her life and does not actually know how to rule. So mm-hmm. at the same time, we agree with those points. We see that he's being truly horrible, so he probably would end up being a tyrant. Um, they uh, torture Faye and it's actually pretty dark in, in front of the princess in order to try to pressure her into accepting the marriage but uh, then uh, another uh, another duke and another uh, knight show up uh, following Faye uh, and come in for the rescue they free the princess and uh, free uh, Faye and there's a, there's a big struggle until finally the princess is the one that is able to kill Duke Vargulf and it's sort of a reversal of the very beginning of the story um, where our spy master uses the same sword to free the princess. Yeah, so um, yeah, I really like the twist of, uh, of this threat being uh, internal. Uh, definitely with, with this story it was something that I didn't really see uh, coming and I think it was handled very well. Uh, overall, I think it's a great uh, continuation of a lot of the uh, feelings that were set up in the previous uh, entry, because I know as as I was reading that, I was like, ah, oh, I can't wait to uh, see what did happen to the princess. Uh, and yeah, I think this this really takes off from the uh, from the beginning. And uh, even as there is that short little uh, dialogue exchange between Fa- uh, uh, between Faye and uh, Duke Vargolf, as it continues, you you see more and more how this guy's a little un un unhinged. But uh, nowhere did I expect that um, they were the ones who uh, captured the princess. So I think it was a really good twist that that happened with within this story and I think overall it's it, it is executed pretty well and it's a really great read. So thank you very much for uh, submitting this story. Yeah, thanks Harry Pegwin. Um it, it, to, to to say something I I during the torture scene and and that part which was very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um so th- that was that definitely carried across. I think I I skimmed over or or lost for a second that the princess was in the room and so i was wondering i was uh like damn uh, vargolf is really bad for just doing this for for no reason but she she was right there and i think just focusing a little bit more on like um lillian being there and and having to witness this and her reactions and feelings i think would have gone a long way to like really making it not only like physically uncomfortable but also emotionally you know painful and to see her sort of going back and forth considering you know taking the offer because she loves uh Faye so much and doesn't want to see her hurt uh i think 
would have uh, been really interesting to see. And uh, but I, I still really liked the, yeah, the, the, the twist and the overall plot to of where this was going. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, thank you very much, Sarah Penguin, for your story. And uh, next up is Ace of Sword with Taking Shape. So this is a uh, in continuation of another series. A lot of continuations here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's pretty interesting. Um, where uh, this is a sort of superhero world, but it's a one where... It it's not a super like exciting superhero world. As, as, not as a, as in like there's not a monsters running around all the yeah. time is what I mean to say. Uh, but it starts off with an interesting scene where our main character is turning into a rat person and the transformation is described and it seems pretty like gross and and freaky. Even though if it's if it's not uncomfortable, I really felt like I could sort of feel this this <laughs> transformation process. Um, and uh, so our main character Leo, who is a, a young kid. Um, it turns into this rat boy and, uh, it's, it's sort of climbing around, uh, trying out his, his, his powers on the roof, you know, figuring out his, his new senses. Uh, and that also at the very same time, sort of speculating, speculating about what he might be called. And there's sort of like an echo of older, uh, sentiments of, of superheroes talking about how, um, you know, maybe his backstory is that with the power of the atom, he became, uh... A, a, a he was a rat that now became sentient but this is all fiction so it was an interesting play on how uh it seems like in this world superheroes they have those fictional backgrounds but those are just like part of their story rather than actual reality mm-hmm. um but our uh, main character finally um after exploring a little bit, uh, sees uh, a van like rocketing through the city, going. I mean, a, a scream appears, uh, is heard. Oh, in the in the distance, the the van uh, rockets in that direction, mm-hmm. and our main character uh, Leo jumps on the van, and so we're knowing that he's going to end up wherever that uh, that conflict is, and we're sort of excited to see uh, what that might look like. <laughs> Um, yeah, this I really like this this story. Uh, it reminded me so much of the first act of the very first uh, Spider-Man movie. Uh, just basically, you know, uh, knowing that you were imbued with this power and just basically going through the thought process of uh, what kind of hero you really do want to be. Uh, and I think this this story has fantastic prose. I think the um, the moments of the trans the transformation is so well done but at the same time i i do like how how much we are in this main character's head about how they uh have to wear shorts uh specifically so that their tail has a place to to be and just how they are trying to trying to figure out where they fit into this superhero world i just really like how even though this is a superhero story it does feel very grounded in a lot of ways and i think that was all carried over very well uh and really overall i'm looking forward to seeing um what the action within this this world um especially when it comes to this super powered rodent and just kind of seeing how that really plays (laughs) out uh, so yeah, really, really great, a uh, great job, uh, Ace of Swords, and I hope you make a continuation because I'll be waiting for it. Yeah, uh, I was. Um, I the one thing I missed is that the main character is a twelve-year-old mm-hmm. boy. I I could I could definitely yeah. tell that they were young, but I expected them more of a of a mm. teenager. Uh, so that's one thing that maybe could be uh, mentioned 
it you know in a sort of rewrite sort of thing um because i think it 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 colors how you know it like you said this character is trying to figure out what their place is in the world you know that's the whole coming of age thing you know what they want to be taken seriously but also like they also want to have fun with it and the sort of balancing that conflict i think is a interesting thing to be exploring but overall really really great job and i really loved reading it yeah i really enjoyed it and um that that inner uh, conflict that uh this character has yeah definitely um uh so up next is flower priest with precaution so our main character uh <laughs> starts off with uh texting and driving basically <laughs> nice. he's on her phone that's what uh, i like to hear as she's driving <laughs> Please don't do that, y'all. It's really, it's really unsafe. Uh, when her her son uh, alerts her, be uh, she she was uh, looking at a safety notification because there is a, a traffic alert, because there is some um, evacuation sort of warning. People from uh, dist- district sixteen and twenty, so it's like two whole areas, are afflicted. Uh, they have to stay indoors. But uh, we, we are in the perspective of a mom driving home. Um, I, I think presumably from school with her son Lucas. Uh, apparently, the thing that's causing the instruction is that uh, a band of Naha aliens attacked the Yane consulate and it took hostages. And then the Wild Sonnets, a group of uh, a new group of superheroes, arrived five minutes ago to fight them. Um, so we pretty quickly understand that this is one of those uh, high concept, high fantasy superhero worlds where it's very active and, and there's all sorts of crazy things happening. And, and we continue that as Nora's driving. And I really like how. Nora uh, is clearly bad at driving, um, or at least bad at driving a stick shift. Yeah, because she's constantly slamming on the brakes mm-hmm. um, and and like zooming forward again. Um, and she she blames it on the on the stick shift, but also it's like it's it's also you, Nora. Um, <laughs> but this world is uh, absolutely uh, crazy. Our our kid um, Lucas he's complaining about how wh- why does he have to learn about. Uh, history, although it goes by a different name that more suits the fact that there has been a bunch of reality restructurings. Basically, like, this is not the original version of the world. There's been so many time travel shenanigans and all, all sorts of things that the the past that we thought we had is totally different and now this is a different past which really is interesting of how like how, you know, that might be possible. But, but more importantly, it's sort of a re- reflection of like, I mean, if you're a kid, like, there's there doesn't seem to be a point to most things you learn in school. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a good reflection of that. Uh, but then we see uh, some of those uh, aliens um, in some spaceships flying around and uh, Nora is able to speed away. Uh, Lucas kind of wishes he could go back and, and look at them, um, but is uh, admonished and then he, he feels bad about it. Um, finally, when they get home, they talk about how the leader of the wild sonnets um, is, is dead now. And, Lucas was very much excited about uh, her and it seems like that's just like a almost daily tragedy like he seems pretty sad about it but also like not destroyed you know this isn't like a national tragedy mm-hmm. and that's almost as much as a bummer as the death itself and uh, he decides that he's going to try to get his license because he doesn't know what might happen and that seems really sad that I think he's worried about his his mom dying sometime soon because of just how dangerous the, this world is yeah definitely um and i think that's one of the coolest things about this story is that it does a great job at showing you how dangerous this superpower world really is 
how there are these teams of uh, heroes that are named very funnily. Like I love the name, the wild sonnets. Uh, and I really like all of the characters within it, but, but I, I really also in, enjoy how as soon as we are introduced to them, only a couple of uh, paragraphs later, one of them dies. And I mean, that really kind of shows how heavy things can really get within this, this world that is, that is being set up. Uh, and I really do like how from the beginning we're just thrown into this world building. I mean, there are multiple realities that have happened, but they have knowledge of, of each of these realities and they're being taught it in, in school. And I don't know, I, I just really like how it doesn't focus on all of these superheroing to where at its core... It's simply about living in this this world and the changes that that someone who doesn't seem to have any powers really has to make to kind of make it. And I think that's really the strength of of this story. Um, of course, uh, along with like really good prose and uh, everything. So yeah, I I really really like this this story. I think it um, definitely showed me a point of view with within a. A, a super powered world I haven't really seen too much uh, and I just really enjoyed uh, reading it yeah really great job yeah I think this is just as um, this is definitely something that's easy to reflect on of like you know we feel just as powerless there's there you know isn't as much ludicrous stuff but there is so many things that you know we consider pointless and so many absurd things mm-hmm. happening even in our own reality where we don't have superpowers and aliens and the ability to time travel as far as we know. <laughs> as far as far as we know <laughs> yeah but a really great job of flower priest and up next is No Goodbye with Composite. Yeah, that's a good title for this piece. So there's some uh, content warnings for this, by the way, with uh, about uh, self-harm and an ad- identity crisis. And uh, I think those are both um, well-earned warnings. I don't know if that's the right yeah, word, I'm but uh, appropriate. I guess. Yeah. So our, our main character is, uh, our narrator is talking about how um, at home, uh, at their high school, they had basically fantasized and and sort of almost been obsessed with uh, Victoria, who was a cheer captain. She was blonde and tall and smart. Um, Ray uh, had t- tugged at her own skin um, and basically ended up hurting herself because of the anxiety of like wanting to be like Victoria, right? Wanting to be someone that's not herself. Um, eventually during university, there was another girl, Maya, um, who was sort of like a more alternative Ray sort of like wanted to be just like her too, sort of wanted to mimic her and would draw tattoos on her own skin enough to do some self-harm as well. Not like super intentionally of, of wanting to, but just that the desire to be this person is so strong that they end up hurting themselves. And uh, so they loved these two people. And I, I wonder how much of them and how well they actually knew these people as well. Um, and so, so then we, we, we sort of back out and Ray sort of is reflecting on how um, she took her father's name. Um, her personality was her mother's. Her middle name was her grandmother's. Her interests were her brother's her childhood and her childhood friends. And everything else about her was not her. And I think I, I just read that out because I think it's... It's a really well-articulated uh, concern, mm-hmm. I, I think, that a lot of people have. Like, how much of us is us? And should we be worried about how we're just 
um, a bunch of other people put together sometimes. Um, there's a there's a comic I saw that was a, the exact same thing and sort of a picture of someone that looks to be made up of pieces of everyone else mm. around them. And uh, so this is when we uh, sort of casually reveal that Ray is trans and when they transitioned, <laughs> she again was made to sound like she's not unique um, with her mother saying, uh, I have two daughters, you were always so alike, I should have known, which, you know, of course that's super affirming. I'm sure, but also makes it seem again that even though she's doing this this big thing, she still it still doesn't count as being unique. And I think also that provides a lot of uh, context and reflection on you know the the yearning that Ray had for these women that she was thinking about. Finally, basically after all this reflections, uh, she's still wondering like who who is she if she is all of these people? Maybe she's just these people and underneath all of these pieces she's not anything and i think that's a valid worry um and but what assures her is that maybe that's how everyone is and that seems to comfort her Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i i think this story is uh very grounded and very uh relatable i mean uh during the moments where uh they are talking about how they're in love with the idea of how much May is like May and how much Victoria is like Victoria. I I really do like how that sort of distance between the reality and thoughts is really shown. Uh, and then and then also just just the entire content of of the actual story seems so true. It seems so. It seems like it's coming from a very g- genuine place. Then that does come across on the page very well. And yeah, I mean overall, I I really love the the moments when we get to dive deeper into how what this main character is seeing affecting them. And how it's it's sort of like this um, silent sorrow, in a sense, where it's all happening and it, and it always has been happening. And how throughout time, this main character has kind of learned to deal with it in different ways. While also having those expectations of themselves and from other people kind of collide. So yeah, I just think this story does a really great job at sticking to its guns, at focusing on one overall idea, and then showing us multiple multiple facets of that one idea. So yeah, I just really, really liked it, and, and I think this is definitely one that I would recommend anyone to uh, go and read, because I think the... Mm-hmm contents of it are so sincere and so genuine that it will bring out a natural uh, reaction from you as you are reading um even if some of the things that are being mm-hmm. talked about don't directly link to your own life i still think that um the contents in itself are just so powerful that uh yeah definitely mm-hmm. go and go and read it really loved it yeah i completely agree i think this is a really good example of how um, I, I think it's really clear that this is something that No Goodbye thinks about a lot and uh, has decided to explore in this piece. And I think that's yeah, really cool. Really, really good. Well, all right. Thank you to everyone who did submit a story this this week. Uh, and to give you a extra little thank you, we'll just go ahead and read out everyone who did submit a story. So thank you very much to Paradox. Uh, thank you so much to Sarah Penguin. Thank you, Ace of Swords. 
Thank you, Flower Priest. And thank you, No Goodbye. And also, we would like to give a big old do the right thing thank you to those who left comments. Leaving comments is one of the most important parts of being a part of this do the right thing uh, community. Not only are you looking into your own story and trying to figure out what, what you thought worked and didn't work, but also leaving a comment on someone else's story will do the same for them. So thank you very much to Sithril. Ace of Sword, Sarah Penguin, and Paradox. Thank you so much for leaving comments. Yeah, y'all, y'all were fantastic. We, we really, really do appreciate it. It's actually super, super satisfying to uh, go in and see that every story had an average of like three comments. Um, not only just from the own author, but from one or two other people as well. It's it's really nice. Good job, guys. Yeah, fantastic. If you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit a story to do the right thing, you can do that by going to Reddit, which is slash r slash do the right thing. All you have to do is go to whichever week you want to write for, sit down for 30 minutes, and write a complete short story using three of four words from that week. Yeah. Um, if you want to find out the words as they come up, the best place to do that is to follow us on Twitter, which is at RightThingCast. If you want to send us feedback or um, send in your story without having a Reddit account, we totally understand. You can do that at RightThingCast.gmail.com uh, and uh, send that in. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support Do The Right Thing, the best way to do that really is by just word of mouth. Uh, If you think someone else uh, within your circle might want to listen to a couple of guys talk talk about writing, uh, and if you have any writers within your circle that have a whole bunch of ideas but just haven't found the time or place to put those ideas down on paper, We'll send them over to here. Do the right thing. At the very least, uh, you could just convince them to do the the prompt itself, mm-hmm. right? And and to post it to get feedback from everyone. And um, y- you know, it, not everyone wants to listen to an hour long podcast, right? So, we, which we totally understand. Uh, and you know, people get different things out of this. Some people uh, have said that they <laughs> like the rambling. No one has said that they don't. Uh, but I can't imagine that some people would but uh at the very least i think everyone who wants to write can appreciate the challenge and can benefit from it mm-hmm. so exactly. uh yeah help help out your friends by by telling them to to set the timer for themselves exactly and then also if you want to support us and everything else happening in doof media you can do that by donating a dollar or, or more per month to the doof media patreon by doing that you will get access to the doof media discord where we, where we will be talking about all things that have to do with the multiple podcasts on our network. And if you want to donate a little bit more, maybe 10 or more dollars per month, you will you will get access to bonus content, which which includes uh, me and Matthias talking about Prella Modica Magica. And coming up soon, we will be talking about the movie Rebellion. That's right. Uh, and also last week, um, actually just just yesterday as of uh, recording, uh, at the Doof Dancer level, you get access to Doof and Chills, which are our monthly little specials. Um, and uh, we, we played the game Among Us. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only person that wasn't able to attend was Matt. Uh, he has an eye infection, I believe, which oh, is wow. really, really bad. I, I hope he's he's doing yeah. all right. But uh, we, we had a really, really good time. Some, some patrons got involved. So if you want to get involved and, and play some games with us uh, joining us at the $5 level is a really good idea and also we have one planned for next month for spooky month we're going to do some spooky stories Ooh, I'm very excited about yes, it yes me too I'm 
gonna have to go through my uh, big catalog of creepypastas that I've downloaded over the I'm years. gonna have to delve into like what what stories like traumatized me as a kid mm-hmm. you know and I think there's some which like are ridiculous in retrospect but really did freak me out like there's one where uh, this family like this dad and son started to wage war on the insects in their backyard mm. and like get a bunch of chemicals but the insects just got more and more immune over time until eventually they were completely immune and then they like invaded the house and then like i don't i don't even think that the i that the family was killed but like it was scary yeah. <laughs> honestly uh you should read that um short story that you sent me like years ago i think it was a uh scp named teeth do you remember that yeah, it's called uh, Teeth Deary. Yes. That one freaks me out all the time. I would yeah. love to hear someone read that out out loud. Oh, n- oh no! Yeah. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to hear it, and I don't want to read it. When out he's loud. just scratching at his teeth, and he's getting deeper and deeper. No, towards okay, the we can we can just we could just uh, leave that for that episode. Thank you. <laughs> um, there's also so many great things going on. Uh, in Doof Media, uh, last week there was the 100th episode of the Doofcast, Woo! which is a, a really cool milestone. And of course, we have so many other uh, podcasts on the on the network. We haven't talked about Kingslingers in a very long time, but that's the podcast where Scott and Matt are covering um, the entirety of uh, the Dark Tower series by Stephen King and doing a really great job of it. Um, and uh, I, that's the only one I haven't listened to yet. And I'm I just like. I, I don't have time to start reading the Dark Tower uh, right now, but I'm just like aching to because I know that their commentary is always so uh, fascinating, and uh, I, you know I, I really enjoy their book clubs, and of course I really enjoyed We've Got Worms. So uh, yeah, uh, check it out if you are at all interested in Stephen King. Yeah, definitely. Um, have you ever thought of picking up the Dark Tower graphic novel? I have not. Mm. Well, I will tell you, uh, for me, having read most of the series and uh, actually just now buying the uh, first volume of the uh, graphic novel, they're pretty identical for the most part. Uh, And definitely Hmm. going through a graphic novel takes a lot less time than reading a a whole book that Stephen King wrote when he was like 16. So I feel like that's not entirely correct, but yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Okay, uh, let's find out the words for next week. Sure. So the words for next week are... Can I get a really quick drum roll that'll take about 10 seconds? Um, it's, um, I'm, um, hmm, uh, I'm going to need a bit more. Hmm. Keep it coming. Um, yeah, I, nah, I don't, uh, hmm, uh, this is a, this is now an Ace of Archa. Well, thank you very much for that drum roll. And the words for yeah. next week are <laughs> merchant, parachute, garlic, and expression. Okay. Uh, all right. This is an interesting combination. <laughs> so, um. Uh, right, we're going to be focusing on tension, just to, just to keep in mind. Um, and, and, of course, you don't have to write something with tension. We totally understand. But just a suggestion to, you know, uh, explore something specifically. So, um, merchant, as in someone who sells things, mm-hmm. um, who trades things. Yeah. I don't think there's really any other yeah. 
connotations for uh, that. Uh, typically, merchant has a uh, old timey uh, connotation. That's right. A parachute, which is the device you use when you're falling out of a very off of a very high place to catch yourself. Uh, there's also some other uh, definitions of the word. Apparently, um, not only is the verb right to parachute, it is also a verb uh, to appoint or be appointed in an emergency from outside the existing hierarchy. Mm. Um, so it's, I think it's basically. I, I think it, it does come from the the action of you know using a, a parachute, uh, where someone is placed into. Like it sort of like falls into a place from outside, which uh, is normally in a negative way, as if they they didn't earn it. Garlic, uh, which is uh, a particular vegetable mm-hmm. that vampires don't like, and but is also like the most flavorful uh, vegetable out yeah, there. It's amazing, but also makes your breath stink. Uh, which is a which is a, a con, of course, <laughs> and expression, as in facial expression, uh, expression of of choice, of freedom, of so very much. A, a, a saying is an expression. Mm-hmm. Um, any sort of communication is expression. Nice, nice. So, Matthias, what story are you going to try and write next week? Well, I'm going to be talking about a um, garlic merchant mm. uh, who uh, toured the, uh, the country um, and uh, was was selling uh, branded garlic specifically uh, to ward off vampires, which are a, a great concern, of course. Um, and these are these are the the classic vampires. They they do hate garlic. Um, they uh, need permission to come inside. Um, they are all you know. Um, old aristocracy and are bald, but also like really sexy at the same time. Um, and uh, they they constantly have these um, these terrible expressions. Um, and I don't mean on their face. I mean they just have like really terrible sayings. Um, like and this is said in the in the modern day. So they have a saying like like, like sort of in the in the same way of like uh, go break a leg, right? Whenever people go. Uh, do do theater things they say lose your parachute <laughs> and it's just it's just like doesn't have the same ring to it and it's it's just kind of like you know it it you kind of just don't want them around which is why uh you uh you wear the the garlic around your neck which uh made the merchant very rich nice nice i like i like um so my story for next week is just gonna be a twilight fan fiction from the point of view of edward um, and basically with this short little story, I'm going to focus a lot more on, uh, uh, Edward's experiences with war. Um, the, the very first scene is uh, going to be him chatting up a, a merchant, uh, talking about this crazy civil war going on and, uh, talking about him being one of the first ones to, uh, head out and, uh, start fighting. Uh, but then. As soon as he drops down from from the uh, sky, because he was part of a very special force that uh, decided in the Civil War, yeah, uh, they were like, "Hey, maybe instead of like going at them head on, we should use giant metal birds to drop our soldiers in." But oh no, I thought you were going to say balloons <laughs> because they did use balloons during the Civil War. Hey, I didn't know that. Like it was a, mostly like a hot just air for balloon? like spying. Uh, yeah, hot air <laughs> balloons. It was to to get a really high vantage point, be able to use uh, binoculars and and be able to see what the enemy is huh. doing. Well, he's going up in a balloon now. I've I've changed my my entire plan. But he went up and he parachutes yeah, down. And then he and then he parachutes down. But oh no, 
they went way off course and he landed in Transylvania. So, <laughs> so Jay, so, so Edward stuck in a tree, uh, tries to cut his, his self down, but then he lands in a garlic patch and surrounding him on, on all sides are native Transylvanian vam, uh, vampires all looking to suck his blood. But, oh no, oh wait, the sun comes out. And then they all start to to sparkle, including Edward. Yes, he is a vampire too. Well, well, well. Since then, he he said, you know what? I don't like fighting the civil war. They're all really mean about this whole slavery thing. Uh, so he decided just just to live there for a, a couple of 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 years. You know, get in tune to his uh, vampire side. But uh, even still, he will not drink any human blood. So um, every night they would have to go out hunting for deer, bears, whatever they can get their grubby little vampire hands on. Um, but him being a, a good Christian boy, he always remembers the last face of whatever animal he, he does kill. Their expression burned into his brain. And that's part one. Uh, <laughs> of... Um... 50 yeah 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 uh my my plan is to put each entry on do the right thing kind of like you know how uh mm-hmm. 50 shades of, of of gray came to a b um so uh, th- i i i have a a really good idea for this yeah yeah way. what is was it tell me so so you i think this should be a series of of sort of short stories yeah, yeah. that can or can can't be connected but you know edward throughout the ages mm. right and uh, he's talking to that to, to that merchant right who Hello? is uh, who's also a salesman kind of like mine um and i think you should call it um 50 shades of garlic 50 shades of garlic <laughs> Yeah, no, that would that would work very well. Uh, and then maybe one day I will be able to uh, knock Twilight, uh, knock Twilight off of its pedestal, and then I will replace it with my own version of the entire Twilight saga being told from the perspective of Edward. And I really think that'll be doing right. the right thing, uh, personally. Personally? Personally, yeah. Because I mean, yeah. have you read Twilight? Gross. I haven't I saw the movie, it was really it was it was so silly. Oh my goodness. <laughs>